0: Section 17 of The King of Sander by James Elroy Flecker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 17 Battle When you paint a battle scene, let every inch of the foreground be dabbled with blood. Leonardo da Vinci on this very day the king was inspecting the throne room in the company of dr sforelli who was a person endowed like most of his race with a sound artistic instinct they were gazing on the broken plaster cupids the faded chinoiserie and and the immortal lion throne of the credenda
1: you must have this renewed
0: observed sforelli stroking his swarthy beard
1: it will make a splendid and royal hall
2: some day
0: said the king
2: not while there remains a road unpaved or a street lamp unlit in the city of Alsander, not till my harbour is deep enough for all the navies of the world and then it shall not be renewed it shall be cleaned of all the plaster and paint and left to stand with the ornament of its proportion and no other Save the lion chair of the first credenda
1: It rings false, sir. You think you will attain the high ideal of artistic restraint by taking away all the art like your gulls worthy? These little monkeys running up the vine leaves are so well done that I doubt if you would find out of France a painter fit to repair them those engaging chinamen have an idiotic expression which fills the heart with delight if you do not want them here where i admit they are out of keeping you must not destroy them but have them transferred to form a lady's bower for which some day there will be room in the palace and when your majesty has stripped the walls of these pretty things it would be not merely inesthetic but mean-spirited unroyal to leave the vast walls white the great cradenda would not have left them white he who himself the story tells planned the rose-pattern mosaic beneath the cathedral dome if you say these chinamen these monkeys are vilely out of place YOU MUST FIND A DESIGN THAT WILL BE IN PLACE AND KEEPING.
2: Allegorical FIGURES,
0: SAID THE KING, SARDONICALLY.
2: JUSTICE WITH HER EYES BANDAGED, PLENTY WITH A CORNUCOPIA, WAR SCOWLING, PEACE SMILING, CHARITY GIVING AWAY A LOAF OF BREAD, LABOUR WITH A VERY RED BODY AND BIG CALF MUSCLES SMITING AT A FORGE, COMMERCE WATCHING HER SHIPS wool industry watching her sheep and similar genial devices such as i believe you see in the offices of banks
1: do you really think a conventional subject hinders a painter's inspiration
0: replied the doctor
1: the italians painted twenty thousand madonnas and more than half are worth a glance and if the figure of peace was tiring in the bank have you seen the figure of peace in the town hall of siena i know of a poor painter starving in paris who would wreathe your allegory in blazing sunshine by frescoing the walls in little squares and i know of another who is starving at munich who by a cunning exaggeration of hollows and curves would make your figures supernatural and sublime as Michelangelo's apostles
2: you have made me think sparelli said the king that there is just a chance that we may discover a better method even than that it may be you spoke more truly than you knew when you said that king credenda would not have left these walls bare who knows if we may not discover under the preserving whitewash of inappreciative fools marvels like those men say await the conquering crusader who scratches off the muslin paint from st sophia but damn st sophia tell me
0: continued the king abruptly changing the subject
2: what is the earliest possible date for the projected visit of the princess ianthe to my court
1: as i have informed your majesty
0: the doctor courteously replied
1: the negotiations are not yet concluded we hope however in
0: about two
2: months time-it
0: is intolerable interrupted the king three
2: weeks have already passed and now
0: he stopped short on the entry of a lackey who handed him a letter bearing an english postmark that exclaimed the doctor
1: i can recognise from afar as the hand of our friend the old poet
0: norman tore open the letter and the lackey having retired read aloud as follows dear sir i
2: hope i am not taking too strange a liberty in writing to you a somewhat personal letter presuming on a single meeting and a short acquaintance my only claim upon your attention is that i recommended to you a plan of action which you subsequently to my advice but of course independently of it did in the end follow i would not for a minute presume sir to imagine that you were in any way influenced by the random words of one whom you must have taken for a most ridiculous old dotard it is indeed in order to dispel the bad impression i must have made on you by my eccentric dress and appearance that i am writing to you now May I assure you that these follies were entirely due to some cerebral affection, overpowering indeed, but quite temporary, and probably induced by the extreme heat of the sun. You will remember it was a very hot summer's day when I entered your establishment to purchase some tobacco. May I even go further and assure you that apart from these sudden outbreaks and disturbances, I have led a most regular life, was for several years in a city office, and was once mayor of my borough, that I am not addicted to any criminal practices, and that I am, at home, a thoroughly respected and respectful member of civilised society. But as I say, I was in a state of mind totally foreign to my saner and better self that afternoon of last summer, and owing, I believe, to the cause above suggested, the unusual, almost volcanic heat of the day i have been seeing visions and dreaming dreams after reading adlington's apulius a book of which i am extremely fond the sight of an apulius between the hands pardon my bluntness of a provision dealer in a small and remote village upset my nerves and i talk to you i fear with an absurd arrogance and an offensive flattery for which i sincerely apologise I write now partly because I am so old that I dare not wait, and indeed I think that when you read this letter you may read it as the veritable song of a man that was dead, partly because I feel that a second mental storm is arising within my worn and useless mind and that I shall not be responsible for what I may shortly do. Finally, permit me to express a hope that you are prospering in the very high social position which you have won, a position which i am sure your sturdy common sense will stand you in good stead and that you are keeping in the best possible health with sincere apologies for troubling you i remain your devoted and obedient servant Lawrence hopkinson
0: they had no time to comment on this weird letter as norman uttered the words laurence hopkinson it seemed to him that he had started a spell by the very mention of the ungainly name a hum and murmur came through the open windows there was a clatter as if the town was waking from its age-long sleep the inexplicable noise rose louder and louder till it could be distinguished as a roar of men and the trampling and shouting of a wrathful multitude they listened first in wonder then in alarm silent at last norman cried can you hear what they are shouting
1: they are crying the king the king
0: observed sforelli it is not a demonstration in my honour said norman grimly will you come with me and see they crossed the palace courtyard together norman remarked with pleasure that the guard were already at the gates
1: there is no danger
0: said sforelli calmly
1: all the guards are true as steel the castle is defended by cannon. The guards know their work well, and we can depend on them to the last breath. Viva
0: la Viva la Viva la Thundered the populace. Viva! But the iron gates clanged too, and the sound was cut off sharp, and A murmur sounded once more dim and far a second after the old captain of the palace guard appeared a fine white-whiskered old gentleman soldier he deferentially insisted on leading them into a room above the gateway whence the crowd could be viewed in all safety the captain of the guard provided them with seats and bowed
1: i have to apologize he said for not having come to your side at once but i thought my first duty was to secure the defences i can assure your majesty that there is no danger and at a word
2: from you we can clear the square let us give them a chance first said the king or wonder if i could talk to them and find out exactly what they want
1: they will believe no voice but that
2: of the cannon
0: said the captain gravely
1: and the sooner that voice talks the better there is unfortunately no doubt as to what they want look out of this loophole and look at that litter in the centre of the square they have got andrea with them and they mean to reinstate him
2: well if we have found out we have
1: found
0: out said norman with a merry laugh
1: men that are fools enough to support a cause like theirs
0: exclaimed sforelli
1: men who prefer to be ruled by a legitimate madman rather than by a true natural king deserve a triple death sir will you not order the
2: captain to fire i am in no hurry to shoot down those poor idealists objected norman for them truth is more important than prosperity and there is a great deal to be said for their point of view
0: and you captain he added turning to the old guardsman at his side
2: do you not sympathize in your heart with those tumultuous voices on the square are you willing to fire on your fellow-citizens for the sake of a foreign usurper
0: the old captain drew himself up and saluted
1: my king
0: he said stiffly
1: i hold your life in trust from princess ianthe in fighting for you we fight for her and for her we would blow the whole rabble of Alsander to the moon and ourselves after them it is she who has commanded us to obey you and obey you we shall like the boys obeyed the old man of the mountains even if you order us to fling ourselves down man by man from the western tower but let me add sir that I and my company do not think that the princess whom God preserve could have chosen a finer ruler for Alsander than the man you have shown yourself to be even in these very few days, my lord the king.
2: Captain,
0: replied Norman,
2: I thank you. I entrust the defence of the castle entirely to your wisdom. I have only this request to make. I beg of you, let the first shot you fire from our cannon be blank. And the first loaded shells you send pass high above the heads of the crowd and do not bring out the murderous quick-firers except at the last necessity. Alsandrian blood would weigh heavily upon me, captain, and not less heavily, I think,
0: on our royal mistress. All the while the king was speaking, the savage roar never ceased echoing up through the window. Please Please THE RIVER FOR THE
2: FOREIGNER, THE STATE FOR THE FOREIGNER.
0: The captain took ceremonious leave in order to attend to his artillery.
1: I will strictly carry out your majesty's recommendations,
0: he promised.
1: We will see if the castle cannot at least make as much noise as the town.
0: Left to themselves, Norman and Sforelli observed through an old loophole the turbulent scene on the square below the hideous mob was swarming before the closed gates and inexpugnable walls some were trying to collect wood in order to set fire to the castle while others were attempting to drag into place some prehistoric guns which the conspirators had unearthed heaven knows where others again had diverted their attentions to sforelli's house which stood in a corner of the square and having smashed the windows and burst in the door to a full chorus of jubating insults were now proceeding in order to assuage their disappointment at finding the owner out to loot each apartment very thoroughly as could be seen by the files of acids books bottled anatomical specimens and occasional articulated skeletons which came flying out of the upper windows
1: "'They will be accusing me of ritual murder next,'
0: exclaimed the doctor sorrowfully, as his third and best skeleton came crashing down on the cobbles.
1: "'Only I do wish the captain would hurry up and fire!'
0: At that moment, with tremendous noise and smoke, all the cannons pealed in unison.
1: "'Your blank is being as effective as Napoleon's whiff of grape,'
0: exclaimed Sforelli as soon as the smoke began to roll away.
1: Look there!
0: The crowd were radiating away from the square like a shower of meteors from their centre, seized by a horrible panic. A second harmless broadside of the cannon seemed to have cleared the square completely.
2: The square is empty,
0: cried the king.
1: Not quite empty,
0: remarked Sforelli
1: what is that over there to the right
0: the king followed the direction of his glance and saw a grisly battered old sedan chair standing like a dismal island in one corner of the square beyond the great statue of credenda its tinsel trappings glittering indecently in the sunlight as he continued to watch it curiously he saw that from the window of this shabby litter a white and twitching face kept bobbing out a face that wore WHAT COULD BE SEEN EVEN AT THAT DISTANCE TO BE AN IRRITATING EXPRESSION OF MILD SURPRISE AND GENERAL inquiry.
1: "'It is their king,'
0: said Sforelli, in deep scorn, looking at the tall and handsome figure beside him, as though he were making a mental comparison. "'This is our time for action,' said Norman, glad enough to find a plan for doing something at last.'
2: our best course will be to go out and bring that poor imbecile into the castle now that the square is empty and hold him as a hostage until the leader of this rabble who i suppose is vautzer comes in to parley
0: and the king with sforelli at his heels rushed down the stairs to the lodge of the gateway where the arms were kept having armed himself and his companion with a brace of revolvers he sent to inform the captain and taking with him Sforelli, who refused to leave him, and half a dozen men of the palace guard, they crossed the square in the direction of the grotesque old sedan-chair. The little company arrived there in a second. Not a soul came to oppose them, not a rifle cracked, not a leaf stirred. But when the king was already only a pace or two from the sedan-chair, there sprang out suddenly from behind it, like a splendid Amazon, A woman armed her hair was loose her beautiful head poised proudly her breast half uncovered her bare right arm swung at her side and from her hand gleamed the barrel of a revolver norman sprang back startled and hardly recognized the wild apparition from within the sedan chair came a dismal moan
1: my queen my queen they have come to take away my
0: queen and the pale head once more came wandering out of the curtains so said norman this is your new lover perenella the girl shivered with disgust at the accusation but she answered proudly enough
2: that is the king of alsander you lying english tradesman and i am here to guard him you had better have stayed safe in your palace walls and you had better never have come to alsander first to betray its women and then to betray its king and now we shall see who is stronger you or i you are growing eloquent perenella
0: said norman coolly
2: but i have no time to answer your reproaches i should only like to remark that it is usual to leave a man to guard legitimate monarchs who are in positions of such exceptional difficulty and danger
0: they ran away said Peronella contemptuously
2: well we have come to take your charge into the palace we will not harm him or you lift the chair
0: said the king commanding his guards and turning to the girl he said will you not come too
2: you'll be safe till this folly is over thank you for the invitation
0: retorted the girl
2: i am not a circassian
0: slave and raising her revolver quickly she fired it full in his face had not one of the guards who had been watching her narrowly knocked up her arm and wrested the weapon from her this story would have ended some pages sooner
1: why did you shoot at him
0: said the king looking again out of his window dimly comprehending what had happened
1: leave him my queen he is surely my faithful knight who delivered me from the dragon
0: but the sound of the shot had its effect the square was full of eyes and ears hundreds saw from their hiding-places how the false king with only four men about him had come out intending as they thought to kill the true king and they surmised that the great heroine the divine Peronella, for whom they were ready to die a thousand deaths was in danger and they also observed in quick whispers one to another that if the englishmen were in the square the cannon could not be fired at them for fear of killing him too also they were beginning to realize that no one had been hurt by the last firing of the said cannon and one voluble fellow swore that to his personal knowledge the cannons were only what he called salute cannons and there was no ammunition in the castle these several considerations ran in whispers from mouth to mouth and found the flickering courage of the legitimists and a thousand to eight they rushed back into the square they had so speedily deserted 10 minutes ago with a shout of triumph seeing the deadly peril of their master and the impossibility of using their cannon effectively the palace guards instantly made a sortie under the command of the old captain and in a few seconds a savage fight was raging all round the statue of Credenda. Peronella, snatched away from the guardsmen who had disarmed her by the rude hands of the passionate rescuers, was borne aloft, waving in her hand, in place of the ravaged revolver, a frantic bloody sword, wherewith the gallant Chesano, with a mighty sweep, had just slashed off the arm of one of the guards. The odds for the moment were tremendous against the palace. There were only ten men left to guard the door which could not be shut for fear of barring the escape of the others and fifty other guards were pushing their way towards norman and his supporters an all but hopeless task for even their discipline and superior weapons were useless against a mad mob of a thousand men but a diversion came from an unexpected quarter the tumult had strangely affected andrea and strange phantoms were dancing down the crooked corridors of his mind For him, the noise of the sorry tumult became the noise of his battle, and the pushing, shuffling throng behind him were his trampling warriors serried in their thousands. He remembered his ancestry, and heard the voice of him who was called Iron. Brave words from old and musty books fanned the sleeping fires of his manhood. Lovely forms of long-dead women, memories of tattered tapestries, and dim old paintings sailed before his dazzled visionary eyes but clearest and fairest he saw as it were among all those phantoms one figure passionately real the figure of perronella waving her blood-stained sword why had they taken her away the enemy had taken her and she was calling to him for aid he could not but obey the summons of her distressed beauty perfect knight of chivalry that he was
1: at them my men
0: he cried
1: save the queen follow me
0: and he leapt out of his couch tugging at the sword wherewith the conspirators had adorned him lest he be too pitiable a sight even for loyalists it had been fastened into its scabbard for security but wrenching scabbard and all from his belt he dealt such a shattering blow on the head of the nearest bystander that the scabbard flew off along a jet of blood and in an instant the king was dealing round him madly with his naked sword three of his loyal subjects became martyrs to their cause by mistake before anyone could realize danger the others fled before him in another second he would have clasped perronella in his arms but her attendant swains bore her to safety behind the great statue of Credenda, which stood proudly in the centre of the square above all the turmoil. The king saw an old helmeted warrior, thrice the size of life, standing between him and his beloved. He knew not it was his ancestor, suspected not that it was stone. He dealt the statue a furious blow with his sword, and his sword fell, shattered, at his feet. He leapt on the statue and clutched round its neck. It fell over him, in one mass on the ground, all crushed and broken lay together the statue of credenda and the body of andrea thus in the temporary realization of the chivalrous ideal his shattered sword stained with foolish blood was andrea the mad for nine years king of alsander killed by the statue of his celebrated ancestor and as to what madness is and whether we are mad and they are sane that is a long discussion but it is certain that it is an ill thing for the sane to rule the mad, or the mad, the sane, for it is known that there was a light of glory and happiness shining in Andrea's eyes at the moment of his death such as none of us will ever show when we look into the mouth of the pit. And it may be his life was well worth while to attain that moment. However, this strange incident, and the very detonation of the statue's fall, seemed only to incite the fury of the mob. With a blind rush, they surrounded Norman's little company, thereby cutting them off hopelessly from thirty or forty palace guards who were passionately struggling to the rescue. Had the crowd been properly armed, Norman and his friends would have been annihilated at once. But fortunately, only a few of the populace had revolvers, and the rest, equipped only with mattocks and stones, took good care to keep out of the range of the swords of the guardsmen and dreaded still more than those circling swords the unpleasantly quick and accurate automatic pistols with which the palace fought moreover norman's band had gained great heart from the gallant behaviour of the little wizened Cassilis and the four members of the advancement association who not being known participants of the conspiracy pushed their way through the seething masses to the king's side And on their arrival, suddenly whipped out their revolvers and fired point blank at the assailants. Footnote: I much regret my inability to bring in at this juncture our old friend the British consul at Alsander. Unfortunately, he was not in town, but had taken advantage of a well-earned holiday to go shooting in the mountains. Had he been in Alsander, there is little doubt but that he would have pushed through the crowd in his uniform to claim and protect norman as a british subject End footnote. but the respite was a short one the multitude seemed to swell above them like a monstrous wave stones wrenched from the cobbled ground hailed round the devoted band stray bullets pinged and splashed on the pedestal of the fallen statue against which above the very body of andrea They had set their backs for a last stand. At all events, they were, in the old phrase, selling their lives dearly. Of the bodies that lay around them, they constructed a bleeding and quivering rampart, on the summit of which one of the guards, wounded to death, heroically laid himself to die. It was now that Vorza, with that popular heroine Perronella at his side, rallied his forces for a vigorous onset and the reactionary statesman, espying the swarthy head of Sforelli towering over the fight, screamed out in a passion. Cut down that cowardly Jew!
1: I'll give you cowardly Jew!
0: roared Sforelli in answer, and rushing out from behind that crimson, fleshy fortification of theirs, he flung through the crowd straight at their startled leader. All fell back in terror from his mad attack sforelli reached his goal in a flash and seized Vorza lightly as it seemed by the shoulders the next instant all that statesmanship went hurtling over the heads of the crowd and the next that brain which had furnished so much valuable counsel to the citizens of alsander was spilt over the stony floor norman for all his astonishment realized in a flash at the same moment what master of the art had taught the frail princess the trick that had once laid him low on the floor of the curiosity shop, a woman's victim. But the restless skill could no further avail Sforelli. He paid for his vengeance with his life. He fell, literally bashed to death, and his excellent soul, released from the unprepossessing body, descended to whatever dark abode, is destined for the disciples of Voltaire, at the very moment that Wurzer's, for Wurzer never stirred again was carried off by angels. Death, shame to tell, did not rescue the doctor's battered body from the insults of the populace, and among that evil populace conspicuous was Perronella, delirious at the sight of pain and blood, like other fighting women of history, of whom record tells. Chairs saw with horror, her dripping arms, and the vile glitter in her eyes. Good honest fellow that he was, beneath all his extravagances. He feared for her reason, and was ashamed for her womanhood. Little did that lover care at that moment for foolish conspiracy, or the leaderless crowd that gaped around him. He seized Perronella, swung her roughly from the ground, and bore her out of the fray. Short enough was a relief which the spectacular death of the opposing leader afforded to the palace. But a relief it was. For a full minute's space the shepherdless rabble recoiled. And the now decimated party of the palace guards fighting their way towards the centre of the square took heart of grace heavily they laid on around them with much hacking and hewing at hands and heads and frequent hamstringing of their terrified adversaries blood rained down from their sores like heavy snow melting from the trees in early spring but before they had made twenty yards of headway the courage and fanatic zeal of father Algio had rendered even this great effort vain raising a silver cross on high he called
1: vengeance for the king
0: with such fury that the whole crowd took up the shout and a deafening
2: vengeance
0: boomed over the square like a blast of the north wind those who surrounded the fiery-eyed old priest made a dash for the ghastly barricade, and began tearing it down. Then indeed, Norman, thrice wounded, gasping, slipping on blood and tattered flesh, expected the sudden darkness, and in his extremity, as though to reply to the crowd's yell for vengeance, he could not but cry aloud the name that for him evoked all the joy of living. Fiercely enough, his followers took up the cry, shouting, with uplifted swords,
2: I am fay, I am I am fay."
0: Making the name of their lady ring, and ring out again, with all the passion of men about to die. Suddenly, at that very minute, with such weird effect that some of the little band dreamt they had died already, there pealed through the castle square what seemed the enchanted answer of their shouting. Not that savage cry of vengeance, but a yet stranger, a yet wilder tumult. The blowing of a hundred horns with rattling hoof-beats to mark the measure, and forthwith from the great north road poured into the square at full gallop, their horses foaming and steaming, a troop of cavalry in the radiant Penelope of the royal Alsandrian frontier guard, in the hush caused by their astounding entry, their burly colonel put up a megaphone and bawled, "Cease fire in the name of the princess, all fighting to cease." however without waiting for this command to take effect the troopers laid on with their long whips and drove back the rabble to one corner of the square at the same time forming guard round norman and their fellow soldiers of the palace the englishman and his followers leant back half dead against the blood-stained marble stunned by this deliverance too weak to ask one question of their rescuers and then down into the midst of the square towards them Escorted by one, who many knew to be the old Count Arnolfo, on a great glistening black horse, rode the princess Ianthe.
3: "'And where,'
0: she cried,
3: "'is the king of Alsander.
0: And at that very moment of her asking, her eyes lighted full on Norman. She was bronze-helmeted, a very Athena, and dressed in the gold and green uniform of the Alsandrian riders, but it was Ianthe the woman who commanded the square. Calling for her king. Her face indeed still looked boyish enough, with her hair half hidden by the flashing helmet, and her young body looked so slim in the handsome uniform that it might well have been a lad's. The large dark eyes, aglow with intelligence, had dominated the face of the boy. But as she caught sight of Norman, she smiled gently, and it was the strange smiling of her perfect mouth. That revealed ianthe an enchantress among women that smile which da vinci caught years ago and fixed in a picture whose destiny has proved as restless as its charm the smile of the boy-like renaissance women of the women who knew art and history and secrets beautiful and tragic which have perished with their smiles such a smile played over the face of ianthe as she bent her eyes down to her wounded lover leaning wearily on his dripping sword. And he, looking up, saw in amaze the new apparition of her splendor, that special and rare beauty of a woman whose life is ruled by passionate intelligence. And he cried out,
2: Oh, Queen of Alsander!"
0: And as she dismounted, flung his sword on the ground before her. Seeing this parley of the princess and the impostor, some of the bewildered crowd murmured, and one man shouted the king of our is lying dead at your feet ah muttered ianthe shuddering as she looked at the staring head beneath her
3: is that andrea that my kinsman
0: he fought with the statue till it fell on him and slew him explained Cassolus briefly sporelli killed vorza and himself perished and your majesty is now by undisputed title Queen of Alsander explained Casolus briefly. If Varza is dead, who leads this mob? inquired the grey old Count Arnolfo. A fanatic priest, someone replied. Bring him before us, the Count commanded. He came before them, cross in hand, a black cowed, black frocked, frost bearded old monk with mad blue eyes and before any had spoken, he flung himself on his knees before Aanthe.
1: "'Queen of Alsander
0: he cried, pointing to Norman.
1: "'If this man was known to you, was crowned with your connivance, has been fighting in your name, why did you not tell your faithful people of alsander,
3: "'And why?'
0: rejoined the princess in clear tones that could be heard all over the square
3: when you and your friends discovered that the king was not andrea did you send no word to me but without the authority of the royal family of alsander plotted by yourselves like anarchists
2: and why
0: said norman
2: did you again like anarchists send no summons to the palace but without formally demanding my abdication set your rabble on me and my followers like a pack of starving curs it had been arranged that on an emergency you should have been told the truth but you gave us no chance and the blood of my brave men and of those poor fools and of your king himself is on the heads of your conspirators
0: there is but one answer to your question and you know it said old count arnofo and that is that wotzer your dead leader was a traitor an ambitious traitor and a vile traitor but the princess cut them short
3: set me on the pedestal where stood the statue of my ancestor
0: she cried
3: and the king beside me thence i will address Alcander.
0: and on to the pedestal she sprang with easy grace but the king for all that an old soldier had roughly staunched his wounds had to be lifted weak and fainting to her side
3: courage my lover
0: she whispered AS SHE BENT TO RAISE HIM,
3: DO I FORGET THAT YOU ARE WOUNDED, THAT YOU ARE WEARY, BUT STAND UP NOW FOR THE SAKE OF ALSANDER, AND FOR A MOMENT FACE THESE SIMPLE FOLK WITH ME.
0: STRAIGHT AND STIFF HE STOOD, AND DEADLY PALE, LEANING ON HER ARM, WHILE SHE, IN RINGING tones, SPAKE TO HER PEOPLE, I, SHE SAID,
3: SINCE THE KING ANDREA IS DEAD, AM BY DIVINE RIGHT AND UNDISPUTED TITLE QUEEN OF Alcander. From you who, without deigning to consult me, have fought for the divine right of my house, utter obedience and submission I expect. I do as I choose, I say as I choose, I dispose of Alcander as I choose, and I make king thereof the man I choose, and that king is at my side. If he is a foreigner, so was the great credenda. If he is of lowly birth, so too was that founder of all Alcander's fortune, in the place of whose monument, destroyed by and destroyer of my unhappy kinsman, we now stand together. May the omen which was disastrous for him be propitious for us. Now you may know that this very night will be celebrated in the castle privately, out of respect for my dead kinsman, my union with the already consecrated king, whom you have tried so savagely to kill and expect no further excuse or explanation from me, for you have behaved like fools, O people of Alsander, and had I not been warned just in time of what was brewing by the only loyal man in your conspiracy, irreparable disaster would have befallen the State. And now my soldiers will guard and prepare for the interment with all honour, the remains of King Andrea, of that good patriot Sferelli, and of those brave soldiers who have perished in this miserable tumult. Those of you who have your own dead on this square may remain to attend them unmolested, but the rest of you must disperse at once, and quietly, to your several
0: homes. The half-understanding populace listened in sullen silence to these bitter and uncompromising words, but an old shoemaker, who stood in the front rank of the crowd, his dim eyes enchanted, and his aged heart fired by the beauty and fearlessness of the young queen, cried out, "'Treat us as you will.' queen i am fear of alsander but do not be angry with your people for we have been mightily deceived the princess was moved
3: you were led by an evil shepherd
0: she replied
3: who forced me to deceive you but love for the people of alsander is branded on my heart and on the king's
0: then let us cheer shouted the old shoemaker shaking his grizzled locks towards the crowd for the queen and for the king of alsander we leave them there the mistress and the captain of a little ship of state and only ask before we turn to the epilogue in blandon but what of Peronella? did cesano thrash the nonsense out of her in good alsandrian fashion wed her and live happily ever after peopling with troops of swarthy children some mountain cottage in a foreign land or did he quail before her flashing eyes dismissed for ever and is that darker fancy true that it is she whom men call the blood-red rose from the cabins of moscow to the cabarets of montmartre she for whom many have died she who they say has ordered the death of legions in her fierce hatred of kings and the minions of kings only this is certain that neither she nor her lover were ever seen again in that fantastic town Alsander, End of Chapter 17.